All right, welcome to today's episode of Ready Row USA. I am Ryan Worth, your host. I'm joined here today by Charlotte Pierce, our producer, Ben Booth, and Michael Knowles. And we're going to talk coastal rowing, specifically coastal for fall and winter. Okay, thanks. Um, thank you so much, Ryan. I'm going to disappear here while I introduce our sponsors that make it possible for us to do this show. And again, I am the producer, Charlotte Pierce. Um, our senior correspondents are Mark Wilson of All-American Rowing Camp and Ryan Worth, who's down there in Chattanooga doing all sorts of things with the University of Tennessee and Lookout Rowing Club and the head of the hooch coming up. Um, we also have contributions from Allison Polini of Carnegie Lake, Tara Morgan of Seize the Oar, Reba Knickerbocker contributes. Uh, she's a consultant and has been the blade. Veronica Platzer is out there in Boulder Community Rowing. And my uh, colleague here at Community Rowing in my owning club is Jeff Cronick. He contributed last week. Thank you all. And we have another exciting episode of Ready Row USA where we feature the best of rowing news, interviews. We highlight gadgets and gear from clubs, companies, and rowers across the country. We highlight also rowing clubs. So if you want to get your rowing club on the podcast, please contact us. Everything's in the show notes below the, the window that you're probably listening or watching. Uh, we're part of the International Rowing Chat Network at rowing.chat. And you can subscribe if you'd like to receive notifications of upcoming shows. We do about one a week, sometimes a little extra special thing. We're going to be doing some stuff from the head of the Charles this coming weekend. And you can send in news tips all by visiting the website. Um, the links are in the show notes. And we appreciate our live viewers. We'll try to get to as many of your comments and questions as possible. So watch for that. And also watch for our episode hashtag or listen for it. Ryan will be uh, saying that out loud and it's also on our video portion of the podcast. But first a word about our fabulous sponsors. We really appreciate or inspired for being a sponsor this last couple of months. They have an amazing, uh, really handy <laughs> GoPro action camera mount. And it, it does fit other kinds of uh, action cameras. I have a Garmin myself and it fits that. So it's really handy. It, it, it actually fits on your boat. It's not made for like some flat surface. It's, you know, follows the contour. So read more about that at rowing.chat slash sponsors. And also the Randall Airfoils have been a sponsor for a few weeks now and they are offering a special on these device, this device that you glue onto your blades and it helps you kind of trains you to not dig too deep with your oars. It's gotten a lot of good feedback from some um, very good rowers. So it can increase your, it can increase your effectiveness. The last year, last week we had the JL people on, uh, Allie um, Abrams was featuring the regatta jacket. Uh, it's fully waterproof just really sharp looking jacket. And thank you, Allie, for coming on and just contributing a lot more besides the jacket. It was really good to have you. 
And now back to Ryan with the show. Yes, thank you, Charlotte. And today we've got a couple very exciting guests, uh, Ben Booth and Michael Knowles. And we're gonna start by talking to you, Michael, about your program that you've got going down there in eczema. Uh, welcome and thanks for being on the show today. Thank you very much, glad, glad to be a part of it. And awesome, so for the viewers that are gonna be able to watch the live stream, we've got some great photos from these guys. But Michael, I'm gonna need you to describe um, just generally, what what got you started with the Scholars Rowing Program? Well, um, we started it, um, let's see, it's four years ago now. Um, I was at a point in my life where I was looking for a new challenge. I had never done, I had never sculled, I'd never rowed before. Um, so I had no idea what the sport was about. And just through a chance meeting, I met someone who, who became my partner in the club, who came down here, moved here to Exuma to explore the possibility of setting up a club. And it just kind of all went from there. Um, <laughs> fast forward four years later, we've gone off to compete and now we're training the new set of Bahamian rowers. Awesome. And one of the things that both of you guys are doing that I think is really cool is that you've taken this coastal model and you're integrating the learning experience of boat construction, not only for a cost effectiveness, but as an additional learning tool to the experience for your youth rowers. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, one of the big things that I hope that these, that the kids learn from it is about ownership. Um, taking ownership in the equipment that they use and taking ownership in being the best that they could be and getting an appreciation for how much work it takes and, you know, the hours. It, it, building a boat is just like rowing. So it takes many, 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 many hours to get it done and to get it right and make something beautiful. And hopefully that translates over to them. Absolutely. And what construction technique are you using to build these coastal shells? Uh, we're using uh, tried and true uh, stitch and glue construction. Um, it's all mahogany, uh, mahogany marine plywood with a fiberglass sandwich. And we've made sure we've made sure that it meets and exceeds these standards for safety and flotation when it comes to watertight watertight bulkheads and yeah, uh, it's it's kind of it's built like a tank even though it's <laughs> even though it's made out of very thin plywood. Absolutely. And what are you doing to build the riggers and the pins and the other the other uh, pieces of fixed equipment? So everything is being made out of. Uh, the fixed equipment, the riggers, are going to be laminated mahogany plywood, um, laminated with epoxy, and then and then wrapped in fiberglass. Uh, once that happens, they'll be super stiff, and they'll be able to take a lot of a lot of abuse. Um, as far as pins, pins are just your standard uh, stainless steel bolts, and you just they I've I've used them before on some of our fiberglass racers and they work extremely well. Very cool. And so, you know, for the listeners at home that have any rudimentary knowledge of woodworking or construction, 
this hopefully sounds like something that the beginner DIYer would feel comfortable tackling because I think it is. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely is. That's one of the benefits. One of the reasons why we chose to go with stitch and glue construction and also why, why we all, why we also went with a, uh, a chine hull. So the flat, the flat surfaces rather than a rounded hull, uh, because it's, it's basically just stitching them together and you're making sure everything's kind of straight and it's pretty simple. Um, I, you know, we're making it a little bit more complicated because I'm trying, we want these boats to be as close to the experience that they would have in a mass produced boat as possible. So all the other little things like ergonomics and distances from the height of the seat to the bottom of the feet, the rigger pins, you know, all of that stuff's being taken into account. So it's a little bit more complicated with that. But for the average person, yeah, the stitch and glue construction, Anyone can do it once you have basic woodworking knowledge. Great. And do you have you have youth obviously in your club, but is and then you and your partner, what is the population of the club that you've got going so far? Well, right now, right now we right now we have ten registered people. That's including me and my partner and a few kids. We're hoping to bring more adults on board as well. Um, you know, the, we're, I'm really all about the kids, but I also want some adults to compete against and to push myself with. But hopefully it'll grow. Um, you know, it's just getting people to realize that it's get over the fear of the water, because oddly enough, on an island, people usually have a fear of the water. <laughs> but, right. you know, that's probably the biggest obstacle. Oh, that's, that is so cool, Michael. And just to remind everybody, you can follow their club on Facebook. It's Scullers Rowing, and they also have a website, scullersrowing.com, and checking out the program that Michael's running down there and fulfilling exactly the 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 mold that we're that we're hoping coastal rowing can fill and bringing rowing to more people and more places. And it's awesome to have heroes in the programs like Michael that are spearheading these things and um, putting their sweat equity into it. Another person who's doing some similar work is Ben Booth. And now Ben is up uh, more north a bit than the Bahamas for sure. Thanks for being with us today, Ben. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Good. And so, Ben, tell us about the programs that you're associated with. So I've got, uh, similar to Michael, a boat building program that I do through Dharma Voyage. And... Um, yeah, we do a semester-long boat building program that we run in conjunction with the Westport Community Schools. Um, so that's a high school age, and they start in the classroom. And so it's this comprehensive learning where they, they do half the semester in the class where they learn basically place-based education. They learn about their town, their ecosystem, the maritime history of the area. Uh, and then from there, they move into the shop where they start building the boats. Awesome. And so you've got the Dharma Voyage program, and it's not just boat building, is it? You do some other stuff at Dharma Voyage. No, we row. So we try to get the whole thing, you know, from the idea of boat design to building to rowing. And we focus a lot on expedition and adventure rowing. Um, so we had a team this past summer train all summer long to take a, an open ocean voyage out to a small island about eight miles offshore 
Uh, we spent two nights on an off-grid building on this little tiny island, uh, Penikese Island, for those from the Massachusetts area. And then from there, we had them row another 15 miles from that island over to the mainland again on Cape Cod. Uh, so multi-day voyage where they get get everything from navigation skills. We talk about currents. You know, once we get in towards Cape Cod and Woods Hole, there are some tremendous currents that we have to navigate. And so we, we go through the whole thing, how tides affect currents, how currents affect your route planning, how wind and current interact. Um, and we get them to really understand the process of moving through the environment. Awesome. And so most people, I think, were probably assuming that this is a summer program. Yep. Is that the case? Yes, it is. We do the, it's a nice mix where we start the boat building in the winter. So that's starting um, right after the new year. We start that in January. Uh, so that's our winter activity is indoors building the boats. We do a boat launch in June at the end of the semester. And then we start uh, into the water program uh, early June. Okay. And now is that because you can't row in the winter up there? Uh, I row in the winter for the youth program. It gets gets a little bit tricky um, as we get, you know, the, the kids moving through the system a little bit more and get more skill based um, training. We'll extend the season for them. But spring here can get pretty nasty with the wind. And then as you get later into the fall, there's the cold. So it's a it's a progression for us. Sure. Well, and, stay, you know, and it is a matter of safety and comfort. Uh, but for your, for days when it is very cold and sea temperatures are low, what does your personal kit look like for going out in the winter? Well, it changes through the seasons. Um, so for shoulder seasons, like now I wear your typical layers and fleece, but the, the key to that is to always bring a dry bag with a change of clothes, right? It's getting cold enough where, if I do go in or I do get saturated and the, the clothes just get overly wet, uh, then you're starting to get risk of a lot of body heat loss. Um, so I'll always bring a, a change of clothes. So if I do happen to go into water and it's marginally too cold, I can always pop out, get a dry kit back on and off I go. Um, once it gets much colder, like, like full on winter, say January, February, March, these times I wear a wetsuit. Okay. So you're wearing a wetsuit. Um, have you experimented with rowing in a dry suit at all? Yeah, dry suit is way more comfortable. Uh, wetsuit is going to be a lot safer depending on how you row. Um, so if you're doing, say, a long, more easy-paced row, dry suit is definitely the way to do it. If you're, say, doing a multi-day expedition, dry suit is the way to go. Um, dry suit's going to be more comfortable. Thing with a dry suit, though, if you're working really hard and you're going to be going through surf and maybe rolling a lot, if a dry suit gets wet inside, either through a lot of sweat or just the natural seep that it will get, it's, it's useless uh, once it's saturated with moisture on the inside. Um, whereas a wetsuit is designed to allow water in traps the water and your body heats the water and and you get this tremendous warmth whether you're wet or dry in the wetsuit um so if you're looking at that slide now like when i'm getting just you know hammered with overhead surf i'm gonna wear a wetsuit um because even if i tear it like let's say i'm rolling the boat through a massive breaker and there's riggers flying everywhere and the oars are upside down and inside out and, and let's say i were to tear something 
if I tear a wetsuit, it's not a big deal. I get a little tiny cold spot. If you tear a dry suit, it's a catastrophic failure. Right. And because you also have the buoyancy piece. And, you know, one of the reasons I'm asking Ben about this is because of a viewer question. And it was just geared towards that. Um, for even the flatwater rowers rowing in the in the wintry mix that will get a lot, that's a similar kind of situation where you have your hard shell layers versus your soft shell layers of fleeces and stuff for soft and then hard shell being your impermeables. Um, so just to, hopefully that's clear to everybody. Um, but Ben, you know, in addition to doing some of what a lot of us would consider more adventure rowing and then some of that programming, they've also got that boat building project going and it hasn't been just um, sculling boats, has it been? No, we've built everything from fixed seat, traditional pilot gigs. Um, we've built some traditional New England dories. The boats you see here in the picture, those are um, actually a Pete Color design. Pete Color was this famous uh, Cape Cod boat designer who really kept alive the tradition of traditional small craft. Um, and we built this year two bateaus which are just simple flat bottom flat sided boats but they're super thin and we've got sliding seat rigs in them and just tons of fun really fast um they're river or harbor boats they're not big ocean boats but but yeah we've done the whole thing and and i think that's a really cool thing about our club is we have the whole historical trajectory of coastal rowing you know the fixie big heavy lap straight wooden boats down to the modern international class coastal racing boats. Very cool. Now, um, one of the things that I, I think a lot of people are considering as we learn about the versatility of coastal and trying to bring it to new places is what's it gonna cost us? And let me ask, I'll start with Michael um, down south and just ask what your overhead and the level of experience that you feel like is your bare minimum coming into a project if you you're either going to try to purchase some boats from a manufacturer or if you're going to build them yourself well for us here it's very that's that that question is is the real reason why we decided to go with building our own boats because even though coastal boats are much cheaper than racing singles by time as we get them here they're going to, uh, let's say, a coastal boat costs $3,500 or $4,000 from the manufacturer. By the time as we get it here, we're going to double that cost. So for these boats, we've been able to get the price down to right around $1,200 to $1,300. Um, that's materials, shipping, um, customs duties, and build. We're doing all the building ourselves, so there's no labor fees involved. But yeah, it's a fraction of the cost. Um, now, as far as experience, like I said, for building, as long as you have basic woodworking skills and you've got time, you can do it. Um, but for rowing here, because of our open ocean, and we always try to tell people that you need to be able to swim. You have to be able to swim, even though you know it's going to be very hard to flip these boats. Right. Very cool. And just to remind folks, Michael is in the Bahamas and a lot of those import taxes that you're going to see on um, rowing equipment are going to be similar for most of our island nations around the Caribbean and uh, out to Bermuda and then international as well. Is, yeah. is that Ben is, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Michael, 
are rowing equipment oars, things like that, is it um, kind of labeled as a luxury good for you? Yeah, oars, uh, we, we, we actually, I actually have a brand new set of concept tools sitting in customs right now. And the duty on them is 45% plus another 12% for value out of tax on top of it. So it, it, it gets pretty expensive. Um, fortunately, stuff like plywood, plywood is duty free. Um, but fiberglass, resins, everything else, 45 to 60% duty. Um, so the costs add up real quick. Wow. Okay. And then, Ben, are, what kind of cost are you seeing on materials for your boat building projects? So when I build a boat for myself, which is a strip planked fiberglass composite, can generally get away with about a thousand dollars okay now what if you were going to build a like a coastal quad in the cheapest construction method possible to be a very effective boat what would you do for that so you could do a plywood construction for a, a larger quad i think you could probably get away with about three thousand in materials so you're looking at you know cost but definitely attainable cost compared to say a a flat water shell but look i think the the key thing about coastal is it's really it's it embodies the joy of just going on the water so it really doesn't matter what you have you know it's like get a boat get something that floats get out there and whale away at it i mean that's to me the purity of coastal rowing sure you can take it to the extent of racing and invest in the carbon fiber and this and that but but you can have just as much fun grabbing yourself a barely floating skiff and as long as you're not going too offshore you know just get out there have fun and pound around in waves and see what you can surf and and be on the water i mean and that that's like i said to me that's coastal rowing at its essence yeah well and you know uh, michael alluded to this is that they are a pretty difficult boat to flip i usually compare the coastal boats to about the stability of most of your paddle boards and you're not standing, you're in a seated rowing position plus your oars. Do you find that's a fairly accurate analogy? It is, except for the way I like to row. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Know, I, like to, I like to look out and be like, if it's not likely that I'll capsize, eh, I'm not sure if I'm going out. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so looking for the adventure piece. Exactly. Um, very cool. Now, Michael, for you, do you, what does the, what do water, weather and water conditions give you generally through the year? Do you find, is it basically rowable year round? Well, um, it depends on what your definition of rowable is. So for, for flat water, um, for flat water, it is definitely not rowable year round. Uh, here in Exuma, we don't have any real protected bodies of water. Um, they do in Nassau. Uh, so there's a there's a very vi there's a pretty vibrant uh, flat water scene going in Nassau because they have a lake, but here in Exuma, um, year round we have the trade winds and they're blowing at anywhere from 10 to 25 miles an hour, um, with open ocean swells and yeah, so it it can get it can get pretty sketchy so, uh, for most of the year. Okay. And, but to the point where an experienced sculler in a coastal shell is going to be fine. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. For yeah. sure. For sure. Good. And I think that's, I think that's an important piece. And, you know, for a lot of us in the States, we have so much great la of lakes and river systems for flat water rowing 
Uh, I think another valuable tool for these coastals and some of these home-built designs that we're seeing that are similar to or very much like the FISA models is that they're a great training boat as well. I've got an old Leo coastal here in Chattanooga that gets rowed more than almost any other boat in my boathouse because mm -hmm. it is such a good training tool for your beginning rower. Oh. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Michael, is there anything else you'd like to add as we start to wrap the show up today? Um, no, I, I'm just excited to get the opportunity to talk about what we have going on here. Um, I honestly believe that the Bahamas and the rest of our island nations down here in this, in this region are untapped when it comes to talent and availability of options. Um, so hopefully we can gradually grow rowing throughout the islands and coastal is the way to go when it comes to that because of the you can just pull them up to any beach and go and that's something that you can't do with flat water stuff definitely well michael thank you so much for joining us here on the show today and taking the time and you know thank you for all the work that you're doing down there uh, especially with that youth programming and the boat building it is really cool inspiring stuff thank you for having me yeah and now ben anything you'd like to add as we wrap up here today Sure. Unfortunately for a technical glitch, I can't hear Michael, so I hope I don't repeat what he said. Um, but I would say for, for people listening to this, if you are a rower, if you look beyond, say, the beginner aspect of a coastal boat being you know more stable and, and attainable, I think for any rower, coastal is something to explore as the ultimate cross-training, right? It's super specific. It's the exact same motion as your flat water sport. But what you get is an emotional experience. It's totally fun, right? And so let's say it's the end of the season. You're just getting kind of tired and beat down from your training. Jump in a coastal boat. Get out in waves. You're going to have a huge smile on your face. You're going to row hard just because you're going to love the feeling of flying over waves, surfing waves. You're going to finish after two or three hours of rowing, have no sense of, of fatigue because you've been in this emotional state of pure joy you'll hit the beach and then your legs will be wobbling. You'll be like, wow, I just got a wicked workout, you know? And yet I feel rested and rejuvenated because of the, the different context that you are in, the joy that you're in, and just that return to that childlike state of just ear to ear grinning. <laughs> that, and that's what it's all about, isn't it? Uh... It's really it, you know, like, it's like, in, in some ways, as a coastal guy, I get tired of hearing the whole like, oh, let's compare, you know, coastal to flower. This and that's like, look, they're 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 different. They're the same. Uh, coastal is just way fun. Just just do it, you know, grab a boat and get out in the in the ocean and and experience something different. You know, push those boundaries, challenge your technique. Um, and again, like I said, just just have fun. Get that mental release, that that joy stimulates in the mind awesome very cool ben thanks so much for joining uh the show again this time It'll be great to continue having you on and thanks you know for the all the work that you're doing up there with the programs in massachusetts and carrying that enthusiasm energy into the high school programs it is just really cool stuff all right on
Okay, right. thank you guys. I'm just going to uh, roll a few end credits and then we can chat at the end after after we're finished. But um, I would like to point out that we have, we want to make it your show, you know, to, I'm just talking to our subscribers and listeners. We have a club news forum and I know for a fact that people want to get the message out about what's going on at their clubs. And seriously, it's if you have a tiny club with five people, it's okay. We want to talk about you and we want you to contribute to the show. So uh, uh, help us help us get that content in here. And, the, and again, in the show notes, all the links for those forms. We also have a gadgets and gear form. I think the guys that we had on today will probably have some great tips and tricks that they can put on for our future shows. Um, and thanks again to our sponsors, rowing.chat slash sponsors, and you can get uh, some good deals there. So they kind of rotate in and out. So do do check back on that site frequently. Um, our hashtag is today is RRUSA Wild Waves. You can, you can read it on the uh video version of this podcast or just use RRUSA Wild Waves and we'll check around social media and see who uh, who uses it and then we'll give you a prize. So maybe the, one of the guys here, maybe Michael could give you a outing in the Bahamas if, if, uh, you, if you use it on social media. So I'm hoping anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to speak for you, but my company is Pierce Press. I've got, uh, I'm open for uh, manuscripts in the field of alternative education and innovative uh, education. So uh, coaching, you know, if that's the audience we have here, um, some innovative coaching techniques, you have a book idea, contact me. Our senior correspondent, Mark Wilson, is uh, heading, heading up to the head of the Charles right now it's getting really a lot of action up here and uh but he he contributes every week and often hosts the show he runs all-american rowing camp and he reps uh AccuDoc. and they also run camps around the world and around the country the u.s highly recommended um ryan is down there in chattanooga uh, like i said he's involved in everything he's a moving target but he's very effective and he coaches at Lookout and UTC, right, Ryan? Yep, and Chattanooga Junior Rowing. And I oh, also work as a rep of Swift. So if you oh, are in the right. Upper South, uh, yeah. get in touch with me for your equipment needs. Awesome. Uh, upcoming episodes, we have, we're have we going to have a little bit of reporting from the head of the Charles. Uh, we're going to have, we're going to be interviewing uh, Jen Huffman, who narrates the new uh, documentary about uh, Joe Rance, the, of the boys in the boat. So we're going to do that. And, and we're going to ask the question, what does the head of the Charles mean to you? So if you see one of our correspondents out there, think about that question. We'll be previewing the uh, U.S. Rowing Convention in early December. And again, club news, we, ne we need you to send that in. So thank you very much for tuning in and listening and We'll be in touch. All right. Happy training, everyone. <laughs> Bye, guys. We have right. we have more listeners this, today than ever. That's great. Awesome.
Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Credit to Michael and Ben on that. Yeah, I think they are, they're a big draw. I, I, I dropped their names around the internet. <laughs> um, so we can uh, wind up here. And thanks again, Ryan, for hosting. I'll see you next week for the head of the Charles uh, debriefing on all the exciting action from 